0: and welcome to Logan Sounds Off, where I talk about books, music, and a whole lot more. I'm your host, Logan Kelly. Hello, and welcome to Logan Sounds Off. Today, I am interviewing Colm O'Reilly. Colm, how are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me on.
0: Um, for those who don't know you, Colin, who are you and what do you do?
1: OK, that's a that's a long existential question there. But the main thing is, is that I work here in Dublin City University, where I'm the director of a programme called the Centre for Talented Youth in Ireland. And that programme works with high ability students across the country.
0: Brilliant. And for those who might know this or don't know this, I actually attend CTYI and it's it's brilliant. And um, but for those who don't know about CTYI, could you tell us a little bit about that as well?
1: Yeah, of course. So um it's a really nice program. Um we kind of find that what we do is we're based in a university, so we are have access to facilities that people in school may not have. So we offer courses to students who are good academically or good at school or interested is another thing in subjects that they may not be able to take in school. So that might be stuff like forensic science or medicine yeah, or veterinary science and marine biology.
0: Psychology was one that I was looking at going, wow.
1: Yeah. So psychology is very popular because it has a bit of humanities and a bit of science in it. And then We have courses like engineering and maths, of course, and then on computer gaming and app design. And then for people who like the humanities more, we have like things like debating or model United Nations or writing courses. The great thing about these type of courses is is that we've lots of students on them. So there's a lot of variety. And it can be driven by what the students are interested in, as opposed to us saying, oh, this is what we think you should learn. This will be really interesting. It's much more. I want to learn more about forensic science. I want to do more stuff on chemistry and we'll put on courses that would be probably more advanced than what the student would be used to at school, but definitely not too difficult that it would be a chore to go and it should be fun and exciting when we put the courses and classes on?
0: It really is, actually. It's like for those who may have a child who is gifted or has a lot of knowledge, like CTYI is brilliant because it's fun. It's really educational. Like I've learned so much, but it's really fun. And the thing is, you're in a class of like 20 of your peers, so it's really handy. And I'm doing. Directors cut at the moment, um, and I am starting to film in two days for our film. Um, uh, but it's it's they're very fun courses, they really are. And I think you're right saying they're more, to, um, the whole idea is towards fun more than education. It is educational, and that, that is one of the purposes of CTYI, but fun is one of the main ones as well.
1: Um, Yeah, I think that when you work with uh, smart kids, it's important to have a balance between academic and social development. Um, I think that academically you have students who are very good and interested in lots of stuff, so you give them exposure to those subjects, but socially, as you kind of highlighted, Great to meet people who are the same age as yourself who are interested in the same things, and it's great to do things that are not just reading from a book. Whereas, like I think, directors cuts a good idea because you get to make a little movie. And it's very practical and hands on, but it's not pressure. It's more, oh, this is kind of a cool thing to do, and we're all supporting you to do it. And I think that that's usually important. For these types of programs that people come out of them going I enjoyed that I learned loads but exactly as you're saying but most of all God, I kind of had some fun and it wasn't boring and I'm like excited to go the following week and I think that people have big misconceptions about courses like this that oh we're going to spend our time in a library or we're just yeah, going to be reading yeah, yeah. from a book or oh we must have some very hard texts it's totally not that I think it's so much more important to yeah. do things that are You learn while you're actually practically actively doing it.
0: Yeah. And, and I just want to say something that really is like really good. And like, in my opinion is brilliant is that the teachers aren't very strict about things, like they'd be strict, but they're very relaxed and they're very casual. And like I, we ended up talking about the matrix and stuff in our last lesson and um, as examples for how lighting works and things so it's always ctyi is always very interesting and you mentioned model you went there i did that last term okay. and it was very interesting as well but um how do you choose the subjects for ctyi and um, in like they're some of them are brilliant and some of them are very exotic and out there now in a good way so a lot so they're all very different and there's something for everybody. Definitely. Can you explain how you kind of pick um, the different yeah, subjects?
1: That's a great question. Um, look, it's really driven by what we think people are going to be interested in. And we do that by asking them, really. You know, so as you probably you alluded, thankfully saying that, you know, you think our instructors and staff are good. A lot of them are former students or, you know, were on the course when they were younger. So they'll have a great idea of what, like, somebody aged 11 would like to have studied on a Saturday while they're in DCU. And they might have pitched an idea to us. I think Directors Cut's a great idea, and we'd say, well, how would we do that? Oh, we can make a movie on your phone, or we have some cameras that we can use, or we have computers that we can help for. And they're very enthusiastic and interested in it. We'll say, wow, let's try that and see how it goes, see if it works. Then there's more traditional subjects like say medicine or law or stuff we might have some of our former students who are currently studying medicine or studying law and they might come to us and say i'd love to teach that to a younger age But I don't want it to be as kind of heavy as what I would do every day. I want it to be fun and interesting. So we could talk about cases in law that are really exciting and really interesting for younger people. Or we could talk about medicine and exotic diseases and stuff so that people can understand and know how medicine works. And we know those people then will be very engaged and able to teach well and understand what younger people are looking for when they come on courses like this. So in relation to that, we're so open minded. And then we have some great people who come to us and go, let's do, I'm doing study, postgrad study in myths and legends. And I think I could teach a course in that about Irish myths and legends. And they know so much about it. And they're so passionate that we say, wow, they're going to be great with younger people. Probably difficulty is is that, you know, the older the student is, the probably easier it is to replicate what we do at college because the students are older and able to understand it. Whereas I suppose if you go back to when kids are six and seven, it's much more difficult because their concentration wouldn't be as good as somebody, say, your age. They wouldn't have as much exposure to previous things as somebody older. So we really have to put really practical, fun things for them to do While learning as they go along. But that is more challenging than, say, 8 to 12 and like 13 to 16 year old technical programs. They're the easiest because they're really pretty similar to what you would do if you were actually at university.
0: Wow, that's very, that's actually very interesting that you say that. And I actually have a question about the teachers who will be in college at the moment in DCU who come over to do courses. Would like I can't wait for Saturday this Saturday and for the time that I'm recording. But would the teachers be looking forward to it as well? Would would they have the same enjoyment as the pupils? Very much
1: so. That's a great question. Like it's, I feel like I'm in a very fortunate position in where I work. Okay, so I get to manage this brilliant program, which has so many students like yourself, but so many other people who are like you and different people who come on it and really get some fun out of it. But I also get to manage like a staff of teachers of about maybe 60 or 70 people, and they are the most like enthusiastic, passionate, interesting people that you could ever meet. And they really care about their subject, and they really care about people liking it and making their class as interesting and entertaining as possible. And they'll chat to us about how they can achieve that and we'll help them and facilitate them, but they're driving it greatly. And probably the best teachers are ones who may have worked for a year as a teaching assistant, as you see them in your class. So they're observing other teachers doing it. They're learning as they're going along. And then they're coming to us with their own ideas to make something as fun as what they just were working with, and sometimes even better. And as I said, former students who've been on the program when they were younger are probably the best resource we can have, because not only do they understand the content, they also can empathize with why people would come on a course on Saturday. And as you said yourself, you're very enthusiastic and looking forward to it. They get that rather than oh, I just, it's another Saturday job. I have to go in and get in a shop. I can't wait for it to be over. They're like, wow, they've got loads of people who are enthusiastic and interested in what they're talking about. So they wanted to be the best experience for those people because they were those people when they were 10 and 11 themselves.
0: That's really interesting. And I thought in my head, something that I only said a couple of days ago is that you can have somebody who's researched and researched and researched on a project, but only if somebody's experienced it firsthand can you get the real proper information. And I think that's very interesting. But you said there are former students, would usually be teachers. And um, CTYI um, has been going on for 30 years. Would we know anyone who has come out of CTYI? that might be
1: famous or very popular at the moment? Okay, well, I think our most famous student is Ivana Lynch. Ivana Lynch was Lena Lovegood in the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah! So, Ivana came and it's actually a very good story. She was just cast in Harry Potter before she started coming to CTYI. But her sisters had attended. So the movie that she was in was just about to be released while she was on the program. So she was hugely popular. People knew her, but she was so the very interesting thing. And I really like this Betty Vanna would have been that she really loved the course she was on and really loved the program. I was really into CTYI and like was going for the weekend to premieres of the Harry Potter movie over in the UK. They were flying her over, but she was as enthusiastic about the course she was studying at CTY when she came back. So that was really, really nice. Uh, So she's kind of thing. A lot of other people are people who like, you know, uh, would work in politics now or maybe in the media or maybe in Companies related to, you know, engineering or computing and stuff like that. So they're, I think they're doing very well and they're kind of establishing themselves more and making great contributions to the field that they're in. And I think that that's great. I don't even think you have to be like, obviously, look, Ivan is very famous, but I think that to me, it's great when you have people who are brilliant in their field and are making a real kind of a contribution to it and I say that like obviously because I work in a university so field is like field of research or academia but it doesn't even have to be that it can be like you know you could want to direct a movie yourself when you're older you might want to be a doctor and become like a really famous surgeon you might want to be an engineer and start your own company to do a problem that you perceive that the like say helping the environment that isn't been done at the moment and it's not like We can do that for you, but we can kind of sow the seeds to get you interested to do that, so that you'll do it yourself. And that will make you so much happier in your job because it'll be something you're passionate about and want to do. And that's why it's fortunate that we get these incredibly talented students like yourself when you're younger, but also staff members when they're like young and enthusiastic about their careers and want to do a lot of stuff. And then subsequently they'll go on and do great things. So I think it's really, really nice.
0: Wow, that's a brilliant answer there. And I love the term you use there, sowing seeds. I, I definitely think of that as kind of like nearly, um, a motto nearly for CTYI. They sow the seeds of young people. That's basically what it is. Um. And I'd like to shift gears, actually, and um, from CTYI to a whole different matter. And um, as you might know, um, I like music. But something that I wanted to intertwine with CTYI here is um, does music benefit children in any
1: way? I definitely think so. Uh, I think music benefits everybody in some capacity, obviously. Uh, Be it, like as you said yourself, you like the guitar, you like to play it, you said it's not that easy, so you have to work at doing it, that's a brilliant lesson for everyone to learn. You know, I think that if you did something and it was too easy to do, it takes the value away from it, but if there's something you have to practice and do better and you get better at by working on it, that's a lesson we really want to learn, not just for guitar, for everything you (laughs) ever do in your life. So that's brilliant. That music is important as well. Like, if you think of it, every single big occasion I'm sure you've ever been at has had some music at it. There's music yes. at confirmation. There's music at, your, at weddings. There's I'm
0: singing music. for a confirmation, actually, now.
1: Great. Congratulations. And I think as well, at Christmas, we all remember, like, Christmas carols or Christmas concerts or... You know, everybody likes going to stuff where you don't even have to be able to perform it yourself or do it. You can appreciate the value of it. And I think that that's why music is timeless in the context that it's been around forever and that people have used it to, you know, at times of happiness, at times of sadness, at times when you need a lift, at times when you want to relieve your boredom, at times when you're excited or interested, I just think it's fantastic as a kind of something that people can have access to, be it as their career in some instances, but also just as a hobby or a passion or an interest. So I totally encourage uh, people to get involved in it. Sometimes it helps people study. Sometimes it helps people get their mind off other things. I, I just think music is a fantastic thing. And it's, there's so much of it and so much variety. There's something in it for everyone.
0: Wow. I completely agree with you on that. Good. That music can suit every single mood. And this leads me on beautifully to my next questions. About I like
1: the lead-ins.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, I, it's brilliant when you get a lead-in like this. Um, as a child, what kind of music did you listen to growing up?
1: Yeah, like that's a really interesting question. I was funny because I was thinking because obviously I've listened to your podcast. I'm really interested. Obviously, most people on it are more musical than me, so uh, yeah, really like I think it's very interesting. So I suppose I've thought a tiny bit about it, right? So I would say like I like I'm old, obviously, right? So that's that's <laughs> don't that's say some, that
0: about yourself.
1: Sometimes that's a good thing because it gives you experience. Yeah, true. But I'm happy with it. I'm reconciled yeah. to it you know so I would have been born in the 70s okay so it's interesting when I think of music now and the ease of access we have to it all the time like obviously I have Spotify and Apple Music I have like literally every song that's ever written at my disposal instantaneously if I want to listen to it whereas in the 70s I would have been like I was the youngest in my family so my brother would have listened to like Led Zeppelin and yes Thin Lizzy and, and the Ramones okay so that was very guitar based stuff you yeah. know and- obviously he's 10 years older so he was a child that that was like the music at the time you know (laughs) so i would have thought that was like i probably would have learned to appreciate that laterally in life at the time that was like old people playing guitars i didn't really like it was a bit loud for me yeah was a bit like i don't know that like i could hear it but like it wasn't quite what i wanted to listen to and my sister she would be, like, more nearer in age to me. She was into, like, a lot of that indie music of the 80s stuff. Like, starting yeah. with Gas stuff, Madness and the Special. Yeah. They were really big. So I used to like them. And I could, like, those videos were really interesting. For its time was way ahead of what was previously coming out. But it was around then that I really started getting into, like, I was in secondary school in the 80s. So... I would have been into like Simple Minds and bands like that because they were kind of big bands at the time. Yeah. But I would have probably preferred as I got laterally older, you know, the Smiths or Echo. The Smiths of the are band.
0: brilliant. Yeah.
1: A lot of those 80s indie music. That was really big in the scene then. But then, like, you know, it was at that age, you're getting older. Like, I went to Simple Minds in Crow Park in 1986. No way. So that was like, and that was one of the, like, you two, of course, as well, would have been quite influential because I'm from North Dublin. They were kind of starting out around that time. So everybody, like, obviously, you know, people have a little bit of a jadedness related to you too because they have so much longevity. But it was very exciting at the time that they were, like, on English TV and selling records and like Pride was being released. And, you know, when you think of it, such an iconic song and it, like people hear it so many things, like it's kind of weird. I was funny to think about, it, you know, I remember it when it came out originally. Yeah. And having a kind of a, it was obviously a good song, but I sense a pride that, you know, there was an Irish band on top of the pops and it was big at the time. So that would have been, they would have been influential. I always would have liked them and tuned in and out to them in relation to, them, particularly when they're from North Dublin, where I'm from. So that was kind of good. Uh, then in the nineties, I would have been into like, um, I would have really liked bands like the Stone Roses. I would have liked, yeah. I would have liked James. I would have liked the Happy Mondays. Kind of an extension of that eighties. It was kind of the start of Britpop type of thing. You kind but of like,
0: built up your musical interests. Then. Yeah,
1: like you know, I think it's yeah. very much into like. I think the difference is as well is that like unlike now today, where you can have access to so many things so easily, is that like, you know, you would be like going to college and these would be bands that college people were listening to, you know I mean? When you're in secondary school, people were like, oh, everybody's listening to this band in secondary school. And even in college, you know, you'd have certain bands who would be like the Cranberries, for example. I remember they played like a university disco in the 90s. No way. That I was at, you know. And it was so like, you know, they. that's how they would have built their following and stuff. And it's quite like, you know, it's very good. It's very interesting. But if you know, it's much more interactive than, say, downloading it now or just clicking yeah. it up and listening to it. So from then, I would have been would like that in the 90s. Then around... Going into two thousands and stuff like that, I would have liked, you know, early Coldplay and stuff like that, Travis yeah. and things. You know, again, I always like these kind of like bands before they became too famous. You know, yeah. <laughs> so All like bands when they that became, are famous like... are brilliant. Sorry.
0: I think that a lot of bands that aren't famous are very good.
1: Yeah, but I think the problem is they get too good and then they get too famous and exactly. then they start, like, becoming too anthony. So, and, like, and it is, I'm not, like, snobbish about it. I don't, like, I have certain yeah. friends who are like, I don't like that band because too many people like them. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> you're not like that. Weird, I see like... exactly where you mean,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm not like that, but I have lots of my friends are like that. I like them before anyone else liked them. And then when other people aren't liking them, I didn't like them. Now... I would more think that's connected to their music became more mainstream and yeah. more generic that other people wanted the thing and that sold that that to them made the reason they liked them in the first place different. And look, everybody does trends.
0: That.
1: Yeah, like it's very difficult to make a living, sustained living, unless you're actually selling the records. So I assume <laughs> yeah. that you you know you can be great and selective about who you want to buy it. But I think at the end of the day, you'll probably take everyone if you can. So that would have happened thing. So now I'm currently like, like I'm moving towards more recent. My two favorite bands at the moment are The National and Arcade Fire. So The National, The National, I really, really like. They have like, they're kind of an indie band from America. They'd be kind of middle stream, but they've been around for 10 years. They've had five or six albums. They're really good. The lead singer has a baritone. They've a kind of a like haunting melody type uh, voice. They've headlined a few things. They're playing in Dublin in the Three Arena, I think, this year. Haven't seen them in a couple of years. So I'd like to see them. And Arcade Fire, I'm sure you've heard of Arcade Fire there. Yeah. Big. Obviously, again, I like that, they're a good example. Of what I was talking about earlier? I used to like them before they were popular because they were a big <laughs> indie band. But I actually think they're a band that like has kind of evolved as they've got bigger. Yeah, has got better.
0: Rather than going down from being good, they're going up.
1: That yeah. because well, of the
0: following, it's encouraging them to get better. Yeah, and
1: if you look, yeah. like there's so many members in the band, and they're all seasoned musicians and professionals, and they utilize they're very good lives, and they use that kind of like atmosphere. But I do think that some of the music they're producing is very interesting. So I do, yes, yeah, so I like them at the moment. Like it's you know, I'm not like I suppose, like, if you, from what I've said there, like, I'd be more, you know, like, kind of, you know, indie rock type of thing. But, like, I'm not averse yeah. to, like, I suppose the advantage to these days is, like, you know, because you have access to everything. Like, I would listen to Stormzy, and I would listen to, you know, exactly design for people of my era, but I can appreciate and understand and like it. And I probably would try and keep up with trends as much as possible without you know, listening to it all the time. So I'm probably Obsessing, yeah. And I'm probably looking at like what, you know, like I suppose they're the advantage of these things like Apple Music, like it's Apple Music recommends. And then there's 50 categories and you can just click on and then just listen to what people are listening to. So that or like most downloaded this week. I'll just you know if I like yeah. I walk all the time everywhere. So I have headphones. So I sometimes just bash on something that I don't even know what it is. And if I like it, then I'll check it out and maybe listen to more of it. And if I don't, I'll just fast forward on to something else. I think it's a sign of society, is it not? That we can yeah. just go through things yeah. really quickly. That's I really, really handy. It fully, but I do like music. I suppose that's more what I was trying to
0: there's, say. There's one thing now that I definitely agree with Spotify, that it's very handy and Apple Music is very handy. Me and myself, though, I always prefer kind of um, have it on hard copy. I really love the whole idea because I've got got some cassettes there. A lot of that my dad had when he was a kid. And that was his collection over like years and years and years. And he didn't use it anymore. And when I was like six, I just came came upstairs and I found this in a box. And that's why I like music on a hard copy because I always just think it's always nice to be able to know that's your copy. of the album you have bought that album and you are going to play it on your stereo it's nice to have that kind of feeling it's weird like i like when you think about it saying to yourself i bought spent 10 euro buying an album that i could listen to on a streaming service for free yet it's still i still get way more enjoyment out of it
1: but
0: yeah, I but do see
1: did, what you mean about music on Apple and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that that shows you care more about it, you know, and that it's passionate in relation to that. And that's important. I just kind of find that now, you know, as you get older, the more convenience <laughs> helps. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I just got a bit lazy. Whereas I would have had a great. It's life. A bit- like, CD collection, drug tapes as well. Oh my god, yeah, tapes, wow. But I do, I suppose, yeah. Like I, I like. I think it was very interesting because we used to like put tape recorders up to the TV and stuff like that to record things. And, yeah, and like, you think of how crazy that actually sounds, and like how low quality mean, that must have be. A
0: small piece of plastic called a VHS tape to a television to record something yeah. it, it does sound mad but it's something that a lot of people can connect to and a lot of people have. yeah
1: and like again I think it ties into what you just said there it, like if you did that it means you care enough to, to record it. It, exactly. it becomes yours there and then you keep it and it it's important to you so I think that that's that's good thing and I think that those things are I'm a big believer in, you know, things that are of value to you, that have nostalgia associated with them because they mean more to you. And they might be possessions or they might be memories or it might be things you've written down. Like photos, nearly. Yeah, photos. And I, I totally encourage people to do that because it makes it more personalized and it gives you a nicer sense of memory of that occasion. And I think that it's important because I think in this, particularly in a very consumer age that we live in, we do so many things that we don't value them as much.
0: Yeah, and I see what you mean that you care about certain things when you tape them. And I actually have a t- I have the case of a tape somewhere where I recorded literally a play off the radio Okay. called Wine from Greenland that... I loved listening to it the first time Um, and it was like, like, that's a mad play, but um, I actually ended up the second time getting out of tape as fast as I could, like spilling all those tapes, all those organised tapes, all over the ground trying to find a blank cassette tape to start recording, Um, but I can definitely see what you mean and I've actually got as my final question a bit of an odd kind of question. Um, when you um kind of look at it um, with the other questions. But this particular question is actually about another um, love of mine, is reading. And um you have a couple of courses on reading uh, creative writing and the wizarding world and Harry Potter, book versus film, things like that in C2YI. But I wanted to ask, what kind of books did you read growing up as my final question? So could you just explain what kind of books you read growing up?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I, I It's funny, I would definitely think I'm a much better reader now than I used to be when I was younger, and most people are the opposite in relation to that. Most people are, I don't have time to read anymore, or I don't read as much. I find that, like, I've definitely read a lot more as I've got older. Um, so I used to, like, Um. when I was younger, I would have read, like, you know, as it was kind of very young, you know, your basic and famous five, three and Ah,
0: famous five.
1: All those months. like you see, we, we didn't have as much variety in those days. So that was kind of good, okay. And there was very little like young adult fiction then, you know. So that was kind of your 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 staple diet related to that. Yeah. But then it was only like a laterally as I got older, I still like actually that had a huge influence on me because now I read like so much crime novels now, you know. Like yeah. I read a lot of like Katrin Ryan Howard and I read a lot of like Joe Spain and stuff like that my I read dad a reads lot like Michael Connolly and stuff
0: of yeah seen? I love yeah. Michael Conley. yeah that um... series is
1: very good I really like that I like Ian Rankin I like a good crime novel and then now somebody got me a present like now I'd be kind of hard to please because I have a lot of stuff <laughs> and I like you know I have lots of my own and things so somebody got me a present about two years ago of a subscription to Audible which was like a book a month and I walked yeah. to work and I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Cause I love now listening to an audiobook on the way to work. Cause it would probably be one that I wouldn't normally buy. And I kind of like go and listen to it. So I listened to like David Mitchell reading his columns from a newspaper and he's really funny. Or I listened, I'm currently listening to a book called active oblivion set in the 17th century about the hunt for these people who killed the king in that year. It's kind of historical fiction. I kind of like that. So again, that'd be a book I'd never normally buy. But now yeah. it's Audible and I'm listening to it and I'm walking, I kind of got into it and gripped by it. But any kind of crime novel I really like at the moment, particularly modern, I read one there recently, um, which was like, all the book was transcripts of emails. And I thought that was like so cool as a different genre. Damn, it's mad,
0: like, but it's brilliant. Yeah. I've read a couple of books where like part of it is like in the middle of the book uh, in Wonder by Orge Palacio, I think. Oh, yeah. And yeah, there's an email transcript and Facebook and text messages between Augie and Jack and uh, uh, some parents and Mr. Tushman and things like that all in the one part. And I, Really, actually enjoyed that particular chapter because it can be very interesting.
1: I, yeah. Yeah, I think I like the kind of mixing of genres and stuff like that, and then it's a good sign that, like, you know, you have to keep concentrating to keep the different medium together and to kind of understand and relate and read them. So I, I love that type of stuff. I love, I like actually, you know, my favorite at the moment. I love um, who I know is somebody who I bet you brought all his kids' books. Is I love Anthony Horowitz.
0: Oh, I started reading Stormbreaker by him um, and I loved it, I, I actually, his books are so popular they're always out of stock of Eason when I try to buy his books so I couldn't, I've only read Stormbreaker so far. Well, he's, he's
1: um, like, amazing. Well, you know, he's gone into writing adult books now, yeah. so he, like, he wrote, uh, like, two. He wrote, yes, yeah. that was one of my favourite books. That was a book within a book, so that was really good. That's what reminded me of it. And then he also wrote, he rewrote two Sherlock Holmes books. Um, he was given the thing from the Arthur Conan Doyle estate, and he also rewrote two or three James Bond books. Um, oh, Yeah. And he currently has an investigative series out by, by a detective called Hawthorne, which he includes himself in the novel, which I think is really clever. So he writes about himself in as a character in a novel. It's really interesting. So I do love him. I'd say I have read some of his kids' books when I was younger, but uh, I think he's so talented and I love all that. I love, like, I think it's so important. It's like music. Reading is so important to the yeah. context of giving you something different and taking your mind off stuff from work and then just realizing how brilliant these authors are because it's just something that I just like I would think to myself I'm good at a lot of stuff I like writing I like reading I like the wow I just don't think I could ever write a novel as
0: yeah that,
1: from start to finish that would be so engaging it's, and it's interesting.
0: actually really hard to write a yeah. novel I've started writing a book at the moment I'm working on it at the moment called Finn and I'm 70 pages into it it's it's quite hard to write a novel um and the thing is I didn't know planning for it I just went straight into it yeah but it's the thing is I don't it's, it's,
1: nice yeah, it's,
0: it's very <laughs> it's very goofy though whenever I'm doing it because it's it's never right so I think oh god that's the best part of what I've wrote today and I go back on it a month later and I go what the heck in the name of God, okay. looking back on it, um, so it's always very, very funny um, for me, but yeah, it, it's, it, it definitely would be very hard to write a whole book from start to finish, like there's a book here actually um, called uh, Until the End by a guy called Derek Landy, and this thing's like 650 pages, pages Yeah, this thing is, like it's mad, like this book,
1: He's a very talented guy. De- Derek
0: Landy's very very ni- good and like a very nice man. But when it comes to being an author, it's like how, what mind was he in to create this character? It's it's very, I think it would be very hard for him to write books, but he writes like a book a year. Yeah. So it's great, or two books a year even. Two books a year Two books now. coming in, uh, one on the March 30th and um, so I'm rubbing my hands together, just going, ah, lovely. And it's going to be my friends' love, Scuddery Pleasant. So we're all saying to each other, we're going to go into school, and we're we'll like, did you fi- did you read this Scuddery Pleasant yet? Did you read it? So it's always very funny, but I think reading is very important, and it's it's definitely something that should be included as an aspect of your life, if you're trying, if you finish work, if you're an adult, and you have some spare time, I always read before bed. And um, if I'm reading something like this, sometimes it's not that heavy. But if we're reading something like what I'm reading at the moment, the one series by Mars Gleitzman all about world wars and stuff, that can be a bit heavy going heavy. to bed. But So I don't really read that too much before bed. But reading is definitely something that you need to keep in your life. And it can be very helpful as well. You definitely know that yourself.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I think the thing that people sometimes make a mistake with is that they think, oh, I didn't read all my life, so I can never start. There's plenty like, as long like, if you yeah. can actually read, like, you can take it up at any age of your life. And I think it's very comforting. And then, you know, books change, but like there's so many books written that like there's genres for everyone. I think that that's the great thing. You know, you, you you'll never not find a book written about something you're interested in, and I think that that's fantastic. And nowadays, like music, it's so easy to access and find these books now, whereas previously we were really like getting them in mobile libraries and things like that. Yeah. You know, had a lot of. Uh, it was a lot more tricky to do all that stuff, whereas now there's much more exposure and there's much more ways of getting them. And I think that that's a great thing. And there's more reviews and there's more kind of people putting up content that's interesting and accessible to people. And I I hugely encourage, I think that's one of the great things, you know, there's a lot of people problem with like the internet, but that's one of the very good things about it.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the accessibility of these things.
0: Like, to be honest, like, I wouldn't read... And like ebooks and I would listen to books well most of the time. But yet I would still encourage using audiobooks and stuff. And I think of them as a great invention. Yeah. And when you think about it, for some people they don't like it, a lot of people do. And like I I like audiobooks as um and ebooks because they can be very helpful. Um but yeah, they, they, they can be used a lot throughout somebody's life
1: absolutely and I don't think it's great when you have somebody really exciting reading them who you know or like and then they're reading and they're really interested in what they're saying you feel like they're in the room with you I think that that's yeah. really good too yeah and so I like yeah I do like a good audio book um, and again I always feel it's a good thing to balance it between if you're reading a exactly kind of touched on it there if you're reading one book you should be probably listening to an audio book of a totally different genre so that your mind is kind of different. Yeah, different
0: so points. because like, um, if I was to like, I always find it very hard to listen to um, something while thinking about a book or something. So that's why I would usually, uh, sometimes I would stop a book and put it away and maybe read another book for a little while. But I would never read two books at the same time. Okay. That can, that I find that very odd, but yeah, I'd never read two books at the same time.
1: Yeah, I don't um, know be, I know people who do three or four at the same time, I just don't know how to do it. Okay. My sister is unreally unre- good at that. <clears throat> wow. But um, then she'd read about seven or eight books a week. So uh, fair yeah, enough be, I see
0: like i yeah, so probably I'd, if you're just reading I'd, the same think, one it wouldn't yeah, be as exciting. I'd be putting in the a uh, lot of hours like into reading not and I'd always tell people it's not because I'm forced to, it's because I love reading.
1: Yeah, I love
0: good for you. the stories, like the Masked books that I'm reading, I'd be reading them daily, like a book a day, that they're so good. I'd be reading for nearly half the day on it because yeah. it's so gripping and I always enjoy them. But yeah, that's why I love reading. Yeah,
1: reading should be a pleasurable activity. It shouldn't be a punishment.
0: Exactly. And um, well, that about wraps up all my questions, and you have answered them all beautifully, calm So I'd just like to say thank you for joining me on, Logan Sands Off. It's been such a pleasure to be able to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I think it's fantastic to have younger people doing stuff like this. I thought the questions you asked were hugely interesting. Brought me back to my younger self, so that was good. Um, You're little, still in like,
0: your younger self, column, don't yeah, you? Yeah, do in my mind,
1: the, in my mind, but maybe not my body, okay? So... <laughs> In relation to that, I totally encourage you to continue to do it. Um, I think it's a really great activity for you. And I like I not not in a way of like, oh, it should be a kid, like you do it so well and professionally, so you definitely should continue doing it at the level that you're doing it at and evolving and learning from doing it. I think that's it. And also keep up with the music and with the reading. I think that both of those things are so helpful and you know there's just like without being you know this is definitely that I'm getting older but like there's not as much people doing that anymore so I think that it's great that as a role model for young people who are interested in that type of stuff it's great to be passionate about it to talk about it because then somebody could be just listening to you going yeah you know something I'm gonna go and read a book now because it's okay and I think that that's yeah. as opposed to other people giving you a totally different message all the time and never hearing yeah. anything. So well done you on what you're doing. And I look forward to your continued world domination. Is that the goal? Yeah,
0: Yeah, that is the goal. Hold world domination. Yeah,
1: look, look, that's good. And then I can say I knew you before you were famous, you know. Yeah,
0: so listen, well done.
1: That sounds fab. Um, look forward to hearing the final product. And let me know if there's anything else I can do for you.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much, calm It's been so fun to talk to you.
1: Yeah, it was Bye, really God. great. Thanks a lot. And uh, follow up with anything, just let me know. Oh,
0: yeah, I will, definitely.
1: Take care. Me- Say hi Bye. to your mum and dad.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Logan Sounds Off. You can follow me on X, Facebook, and Instagram at Logan Sounds Off. And don't forget to subscribe and not miss any more cool episodes. Bye, guys.